the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The reality is, though, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there has to be an answer. Either you're one that goes, or you're one that sends others who go, or you're one who lives in disobedience. There's not another option. It's part of your destiny. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Oh, when you understand what Jesus has done for you, you want to celebrate him, who he is and what that means. When you understand what Jesus has done for you, you want to be a part of his church and join him in his mission. But there's more. Paul continues in verse 15. He says, yet I've written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. In other words, kind of like when the preacher says there's a content warning coming. I've been bold, recognizing you may not like some of this. But because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I'm not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around Illyrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It's been my ambition. Just think about that. It's been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. What's your ambition? What gets you out of bed? What's your fuel? What drives you? That's what we're talking about. It's been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would be building on someone else's, so I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it's written, then he quotes scripture. Those who were not told about him will see. Those who have not heard will understand. And this is why I've been hindered from coming to you. You know what I just read? The writer, the author, the apostle Paul, he's not confused about his destiny. He knows his purpose. But, but there's something interesting here. How does he know his purpose? If I would have written this for him, I'd probably have written it differently. Because I know his story. I was named after him. Acts chapter 9 tells that story. The apostle Paul was a man named Saul. He was a Jewish rabbi who lived to persecute Christians. So he traveled around the known world, and he would put Christians to death. And one day, he was on the Damascus Road in Syria, headed to persecute Christians. And Jesus himself encounters him. That's when you know that the Apostle Paul was blinded by the light. That's his conversion moment. He repents, and he calls Jesus Lord and begins to follow after him. And everything changes. He becomes the greatest missionary apart from Jesus has ever lived. Probably the greatest preacher apart from Jesus has ever lived. He goes all around the world 
I would have said, man, on that Damascus road, I knew God's destiny for my life. But that's not what he said. He pointed to Scripture. Man, this is big for us because I've hung out with us a long time. And here's what I've seen. We depend too much on experience and not enough on Scripture. So people have experiences where they feel like God is moving in their life and and they're on fire for a season and then the experience dies down and, and their faith begins to wane. And they walk away from God and his mission. And the Apostle Paul's helping us understand my mission did not come from my experience. My mission was aligned with the purposes that set forth for me in the word of God. I want to ask you a question. When you look at your life, are the things you do aligned with God's purposes in the world? Because when you understand what Jesus has done for you, you want to live your life according to his purpose for the world. Our ambition should match his agenda. Does yours? How do your life goals line up? with his purposes. I talk to people about what they are doing in their life often. Usually it goes something like this. I I just want to be successful in my career. I want to grow as much as I can and and learn, or I I want to be an effective communicator, or or I want to be a doctor that that I use my intelligence to change lives, or I want to work with my hands, or I want to go into public service and, and, and help others when they're in their moments of needs, or, or maybe I want to raise uh, enough funds to, to be a difference maker through my giving. And all of these are good things as long as they line up with God's purpose for the world. And, and I would just tell you, God's not confused about his purpose The number one question I'm asked as a pastor is, how do I know and find the will of God? I want to tell you the will of God for your life in this world right now, because God's not confused. It comes from 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. God's purpose in this world is that everybody would know him. God's purpose in this world is that everybody would understand the significance of his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection. See, Paul understood that everything he did in life had to filter through God's purpose, not just his desires. In other words, he knew that his story was just a part of a bigger story, God's story. The same is true for you. Last week on Compassion Sunday, I I was so moved by the fact that so many people responded to the practical application of the message just by going to pick up one of those packets and, and, and choosing to invest in a child and a family's life. And I just thought every week I want to give you a practical way to respond. So when you came in today, in your seat, you found one of these three tools. And these three tools are all things that can be put into your hands just to help you live out God's general purpose in this world. You may have got this little booklet. It's called Life 
three circles, a life conversation guide. This is one of the easiest ways you'll ever find just to walk through what it means to be a follower of Christ. You can read through this and begin to live out God's purpose as you talk to another person. Some of you got this card. I love these little cards. Sometimes we have wristbands that match these cards. They're just color-coded cards that walk through what the Bible says about sin, what the Bible says about death, what the Bible says about love and faith and life. And again, you can read this card. You don't have to have a, a theology degree. You don't even have to have graduated from Sunday school. You can just read this card and, and put into practice God's general purpose. Then we have these wristbands, and we came up with these. It has a, a picture of a person and just reminds us that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and every person is in the same situation. Then it's got a, a scale. We're reminded that one day our life will hang in the balance, and, and it, we will be judged for how our life has looked. But then we're told that our judge is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. And that Jesus made a way for us so that we're not judged based on what we do, but on what he's done. And and that was through the cross of Calvary. And so we've given all of you a practical tool just to help you live out your faith. Here's what I want you to know. God didn't save you just for you. Hello? God didn't save you just for you. You were never intended to be a gospel cul-de-sac where the gospel comes into your life and just gets stuck. And yet that's, I've been around us all my life and there's a lot of good, knowledgeable people that help one another, but we're confused about this. We read John three sixteen and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And a lot of us have said, yes, I receive what he's given to me. But it stops there. And it was never intended to stop there. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life so that you would give to others that same hope that you received. You're not intended to be a cul-de-sac where the gospel stops. You're intended to be a conduit through which the gospel flows. When the message of hope and peace and joy came to you, it was on its way to somebody else. Don't let it stop with you. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, he expects you to be a part of his mission. Some of us do that by zeroing in on one person that we're praying for, a family member, a coworker, a classmate, or a neighbor. I hope you have your one, that one person in your little corner of the world that still needs to know Jesus. If not, maybe you should think about that. Who's your one? However you approach this, here's the reality. Our story should always be about promoting God's greater glory. And, and what's crazy is I feel like too often... Christ followers, we, we make an idol of God's will. Like, man, if I just, when, I, when God tells me his will, I'm going to act. Let me just tell you something. He has already told you his will. You start living for his glory. Don't make an idol of the will of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, he expects you to be a part of his church. And if you're part of his church, he expects you to be a part of his mission. And so that should remind us that the main purpose of the church is not to make you comfortable or to meet your needs. The main purpose of the church is to make disciples who make disciples for the glory of God. And when you understand that, it changes everything. 
His purpose has become the decision-making grid through which you choose how to live life. You begin to say no to good things so that you can say yes to the God things he's planned for you. And by the way, if I'm living for his glory, I've taken my eyes off of me, it's kind of hard for me to be let down by somebody else. And it's kind of hard for me to be upset by something that didn't go right at church. The reason you should be upset about your church or at other followers of Christ is when they're not living their life on mission for the glory of God. Are you living according to his purposes in the world? But we're not there yet. I'm going to wrap this up really quickly because um, there's so much that could be said. But in verse 23, Paul starts by saying this. Now, there's no more place for me to work in these regions. In other words, I've done everything I can do here trying to get the, the gospel to people who've never heard. So in, in the next verse, he says, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. And I hope to see you while passing through. I've enjoyed your company for a while, he says. But in, in, in verse 25, he says, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in my service to the people there. Now, if you jump down to verse 30, this is what he says. So I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. And the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I've given you several things that change when you understand who Jesus is and what he's done, but let me give you this last one. When you understand what Jesus has done for you, you want to live in obedience to his specific calling. This is your destiny moment. See, if you're a follower of Christ, there's a general purpose. You don't even have to look hard to find it. You need to be telling other peoples about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But that doesn't take away the specific purpose that God's given you. So clear, Paul knew his specific purpose. He knew that God had created him to go take the gospel to people that have never heard. He knew his sweet spot. You know your sweet spot? Over the last couple of years, I, I feel like God just helped me tune into my speech, sweet spot. And so I don't know how long he'll tarry or how long I have, but I, I want to spend the, most of my life living in the sweet spot. You know what my personal mission is? I just want to leverage my personal brokenness to inspire a deep belief in the God of the second chance. That's what I want to do. I want to leverage my personal brokenness and looking at what I've been through and, and allow God to use that to inspire a deep belief in the God of the second chance. But you could have a specific calling too. You could use something I introduced when we went through Romans 12. It, it came from Rick Warren. It's called SHAPE. And he uses those letters in, in the word shape just to, to help you think about those things that make you unique. Your spiritual gifts. How are you spiritually gifted? Your heart. What are you passionate about? Your abilities. What do you do well? Your personality. Well, what's cool about how you relate to other people? Your experiences. Paul didn't hide his experiences. They were a part of the journey. They were a part of that specific calling. 
I've also seen a Venn diagram that kind of helps you understand this. You, you can look at your abilities and, and those things that you do well. You can look at the affinities, the things you like to do. And then you can look at the affirmations, those things that other people say, you're, you're good at this. Where I spend my time, it's in that center. Yes, it's things I can do, but it's also things I like to do. And it's things that other people say, hey, you should do this. You're pretty good at this. You can do the same thing. It's your specific calling in life. Here's what I know. At the end of our life, our value, our worth, the difference we make is not going to be based on the pile of stuff that we've gathered. A life well lived is not defined by accumulation or achievement, but by living your life on mission with a holy ambition for the glory of God according to his purposes. So as I wrap this up, I would just ask you, Can you answer this question? What is God calling me to do? What is my destiny? What are the gospel conversations I need to have in my little corner of the world? What is the gospel movement that I need to join and be a part of? Paul wanted to go to Spain. Now, this is interesting. I got a little wild hair right now, so I'm going to ask you to participate. Raise your hand if you're 60 or older. I want to see your hand. I'm not raising mine, but okay. Paul was at least 60 years old. Life expectancy would not have been what it is for us in the U.S. And yet he says, I'm ready to tackle a new dream. I want to go to Spain. Why do you want to go to Spain? Because the people there had not yet heard the gospel of Christ. You know what historians tell us? To go to Spain, he would have had to learn a new language, most likely Latin. And yet he said, I want to do this. I'm not giving up on my destiny because of a date on a birth certificate. What about you? What is it that God's calling you to do? For some of you, there's no question in a crowd this large that for some of you, he's calling you to yield your life to full-time service to him as a missionary or as a pastor or as a worship leader in some way to say, yes, my yes is on the table. For others of you, he's saying in your business field, you make a difference for him. You be intentional. Stop being a covert Christian. The reality is, though, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there has to be an answer. Either you're one that goes, or you're one that sends others who go, or you're one who lives in disobedience. There's not another option. It's part of your destiny. By the way, the only way you know if the gospel has truly penetrated your heart is when you look closely and see, has it penetrated these hard areas of my life? Has my belief in the gospel affected my family? Am I willing to let my children and my grandchildren go wherever God may call them? Has my belief in the gospel affected my career? Am I willing to adjust that however I need for his glory? Has my belief in the gospel affected my education? Has my belief in the gospel affected my finances? Has my belief in the gospel affected where I live? Or do I run away every time my community begins to look differently than me? 
You only know if the gospel has penetrated you when you see if it's penetrated the things that are most important to you. And you've got to decide if it's worth the cost. Several years ago, our church went to Central Asia specifically for the purpose of encouraging missionaries from Afghanistan. Now think about that for a minute. It was what we call a closed country. The missionaries couldn't be there, so they were there kind of undercover. And so they came out undercover. Even in the hotel we met in, we couldn't talk about what they did out publicly as we gathered around and ate. And as we met there, you could just sense the heaviness, the overwhelming burden of the lives that they lived. And as I talked to him, I began to figure out why. He told me some of the stories, the pain, the illnesses, the spiritual attacks they had been through. And then they told me of a single lady in her 50s from our company that was one of them that had been missing at that point for a couple of years. I was shocked. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I haven't heard about this. This should be like on the evening news. Yeah, no, it can't be because we're not even supposed to be there. But she was taken by the Taliban, and, and we assume at this point she's dead. You hear that story, and you think, is that a tragedy? I mean, was it worth it? This professional woman in her 50s lose her life just to go and tell people who don't want to hear? It was 23 years ago in Memphis, Tennessee, that a Baptist preacher named John Piper, he told a similar story. That's my story. But he told a story from his church about some missionaries who had lost their life. And he looked out at that crowd of about 40,000 college students, and he, he said, is that a tragedy? Was it worth it? And then he said, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I'll show you how to waste your life. Consider a story from February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago. He was 59. She was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, and they play softball, and they collect shells. He said, at first when I read that, I thought it might be a joke, a spook on, spoof on the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your creator be this. I was playing softball and collecting shells. He said, picture them before Christ at the day of great judgment. Look, Lord. See my shells? He says, no, that's the tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. But he said, and I agree, but I protest. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. Your destiny I got news for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a child of the King. And because of who you are, 
your future is destined. And you don't have to think about sitting on some stone that, to have some sense of luck or false well-being. You are standing, the Bible says, on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Don't waste your life. Earlier in this Roman series, I told you the story of a famous athlete in Britain from years ago. His name was C.T. Studd. I was watching the playoffs in the NBA last night in our house, and you, you got LeBron and you got Steph Curry battling it out on the basketball court. Can you imagine if either one of those all-stars, if they just said, you know, I'm washing my hands of this, and I'm leaving, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a missionary for the cause of Christ. That's what C.T. Studd did. He was a famous cricketer in England. Later in his missionary career, he would become a poet, and he would write these words that I've said many times to you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ lasts. That's a destiny. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9, here on Faith Talk Tampa. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.